0: Good morning. Good morning. It's wonderful to be with you. I'm delighted that Sheila and I, and also Ken and Stephanie Schatz could join you this morning. Uh, it's always a joy to be here at our Savior in Camille Valley, a really special community to us that we love so much. It's a puzzling uh, part of the Good Shepherd narrative about Jesus, I think, a little bit. It's, it's puzzling to me that they didn't get it. Uh, he, he says, I am the good shepherd. And clearly they are meant to understand that they are his flock and that unlike others, they know his voice. They love him. He knows them each by name. And because he is calling them, they should be able to leave the sheepfold and go out with him. And it says he used this as a kind of parable or a comparison. And it says... They didn't get it. So then he tries again, in a much more puzzling way. (laughs) Instead of being the Good Shepherd who's calling them forth, he becomes the gate itself. A more mysterious image to me, harder really to grasp. But I wonder, entering this story imaginatively, why they didn't hear the first one. And I think. It's why we often don't hear messages. They were afraid. They were afraid. When people are afraid, it's very hard to listen to what people are telling you. Words can wash over us. Very clear statements become incomprehensible to us because fear stops our ears and clouds our hearts. And these are the same people who are named in the Gospel of John as being locked in a room for fear after Jesus' murder and his burial. So we can understand people who have been hurt like this and frightened, frightened for their lives, not getting it when a message says, trust me, follow me out of this locked room. It didn't work very well for him. (laughs) They followed him and their hopes were crushed, their dreams were dashed, and they gave up. So he tries again, he tries again, and he says, I am the gate. Now, I listen to a little podcast put out by these Irish Jesuits, and it's a little spiritual meditation every day. And while I'm walking the dogs, the 6 a.m. walk, you know, The first one of the day, uh, I'm listening to these Irish Jesuits read the lessons, then there's a little there's a little music, they read the lesson, then they have a little meditation on it, and I really love this. But I found myself on this lesson when they were reading it last week getting a little cranky. And I became one of those people who wanted to write the irritating letters that's like, all this is really good, but I'm focusing on one little part I don't like and would you pay attention to me? I suppressed that. I didn't write to them, but here's here was my problem. The woman who was reading, I love hearing the Irish accent, she said, I am the gate. That's the wrong emphasis. You know what it should be. It's I am the gate, because this is, not only is he trying again with a new message, but he's intensifying the message by using the I am, because that is the divine name. So he's identifying the gate, and earlier the good shepherd, but now the gate with the very being of God. In other words, something about being the gate is of the nature of who God is. So in this way he's pushing the idea even more than he was before with the Good Shepherd, leading them in and out. So somehow, this quality of being a gate is like God. And I wonder what that is like. So it's not, it seems to me, the opening and shutting of the gate, when one door closes, another one opens. This is life, right? This is We know this. Not very much of God in that. Instead, I think we're meant to take this idea to where God might draw us to understand it. And in the book of Revelation, the conclusion of the whole Bible, we've gone on this great journey with God. From the opening of Genesis, all the way to the New Jerusalem, setting down in the very garden where everything started, So in this conclusion, near the beginning of the book of Revelation, the one who is seated on the throne says, Behold, I am setting before you a door that cannot be closed. What a thought. What a thought. A door that cannot be closed. No matter how the world treats you or me, closing doors, and maybe opening some. This door, this gate, cannot, by any human or inhuman power, be closed. And Paul takes this to a rational level. That is, he says, what does it mean to have a door that is not closed? This idea of Christ as the gate, God's being like a gate. And he says, with the world, things are yes and no, closed and shut. But with Christ, it is always yes. That's an amazing thought. It's a thought we've had trouble with for 2,000 years. He couldn't really be that. Maybe yes for me. I'm one of the elect like you. But what about those bad deed doers out there? The people who have closed doors on me before. People who have hurt me, who have hurt others. Well, surely there's a no for them. So we've come up with many, many ways around this idea ideas about punishment, ideas, ideas about hell, everlasting hell. I mean, some people. Not everybody, but some people should be there, don't we think? And when I was a seminary student, I even encountered the thought of one of the early Anglican divines, Arminius, and my professors basically were doing this about him. He believed in universal salvation. Mm -mm. not yes all the time. Not a door that cannot be closed, but a door that is selectively open and selectively closed. Arminius was mistaken. But you know who else thought just like Arminius? That paragon of orthodox Christianity of the whole 20th century, C.S. Lewis. He believed this too. He believed it with all his heart. I think some of his greatest theology he put in his children's stories And he wrote in the Chronicles of Narnia a story about two little boys, two young men, who died in battle. One is a follower of Aslan. One is a follower of a foreign god. And they both, interestingly enough, find their way into the blessed realm together. C.S. Lewis, because in his own life, he found a great yes from God, a door that could not be closed despite his own efforts to close it, and that's how it often gets closed. He knew the love of God, and so he believed in the love of God, and he believed that it could not be thwarted for anyone in any way. Are any of you old enough to remember Marguerite D'Angeli? You do, Bill? Marguerite D'Angeli was a children's book writer. Now you're going to stay with me because I'm going to a children's book, aren't you? I've already hit it. but Don't give up on me. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is not simple thinking. It's simple words, deep thinking that she gave us. She won the Newbery Award for a book called The Open Door. And it was a story about a young boy, Robin, in the medieval period, and he was born with a body that would not work the way other boys' bodies or girls' bodies would work. He was never going to be a knight, even though he was born into a knightly family. He was crippled. He couldn't ride a horse, and he couldn't fight, and he found himself in a group of monastics And they took care of him, and they taught him that there were other qualities he had that could be affirmed and brought forward to their fruition, and that that would constitute a door that could not be closed. In other words, they found a way to complete him, for him to be complete, and for him to have a beautiful life. And this was the open door. And when she received the Newberry Award, she was quite surprised, she was a very humble person, she wrote many beautiful children's books that were really beloved in the 50s and 60s. And she said, I patterned that book on one of my best friends. He was a man with the most beautiful character and mind, character and mind, I have ever known. But his body would not work very well. And he had learned, that God would always bring to completion, in some way, God's creation. God would always open the door. And so I wrote this story. When Sheila and I made our first trip to Haiti, we went to a school called St. Vincent's in Laotan. This is a school It's quite remarkable. It's for disabled children. And in Haiti, this school, which was the first school of its kind in the whole country, is for every kind of disability there is. There are blind children being educated there, deaf children being educated there, children on the autism spectrum, and children who lost their limbs in the earthquake in 2010. All those children in this remarkable school. And they are taught. The language of each, so that every child can speak to every other child. Everyone is taught Braille. Everyone is taught sign. It's a remarkable community. And as we entered into this community, there was one much older person, a man in his 30s, Jojo. And he was born without complete arms or complete legs. And he's a Wonderful, wonderful painter. He actually was trained in Switzerland. He paints with a brush between his teeth. Vibrant, beautiful Haitian style paintings that are highly accomplished. And he said, I bet you're wondering why I still live here at this school. He said, I call St. Vincent's a temple. Because here God's message is that no matter what these children have lost, God will find a way to bring them to fruition. Same message that Marguerite D'Angeli heard from her friend and that she wrote into her book. And he said, I think it is my responsibility to help bring that message to these children. I was born without arms or legs, but many of these children lost their legs and arms in the earthquake and they are so devastated. So I'm here to give them hope and tell them that they can be full and a door can be opened for them. Isn't that beautiful? So it seems to me that this is a deep message of who God is. That this is the energy of God moving through our world. And while it may seem too easy to you, that this door would be open to everyone, and not closed on anyone, the very reaction I may have that rejects that tells me it's not easy. It's not easy for me to put aside my judging of other people, or even my judging of myself, and accept this idea that I can enter the door that's open for me too, and for you and for all the world, if we are courageous enough to hear the voice of the one who knows our name and walk through this gate, which is a yes to you, we will be transformed. And just as in the earlier image, where the intention is not that we would remain sheep all our lives, but would ourselves become shepherds. As we find our fulfillment, like Jojo, as we are transformed in our courage by the love of God, we are meant, like that monastic community around Rama and Jojo at St. Vincent's, we are meant to be the gate for other There are so many people at Mishima, maybe us among them. We do not feel that we could be loved that much. That we would be able to walk through the gate, into the arms of God, with the pasture that he called to be. This is our calling, and this is our being.